Heavenly Father, we know that when we're gathered like we are today, that the presence of Jesus is with us. He's here. And so we don't have to ask him to be here. We simply ask you to help us hear and see him today. As we open your word, please open our hearts and our minds to see how our, our wounds, our hurts, our suffering can become that which defines us unless we accept the script you're giving us. We thank you for this morning. God, we thank you for Sacramento. We thank you for this beautiful community we live in. And we just pray today that you'd speak to us. Amen. Take a moment and turn to your neighbor and say, great to get to sit by you. I'm so lucky. I'm so lucky to get to sit by you. Hi, Miss Evelyn. Good to see you this morning. Love your hat. Love it. I'm so lucky to get to be with you this morning as we continue our series in the Gospel of John. Good news for a change. How many of you want some good news today? I want to give you some good news today that I think, I think today's one of the most uh, powerful messages I've ever shared. And I, I just pray Jesus will communicate it uh, through my frailty wordsmithing today the way he wants it shared and that you hear from him, not me. And is that a deal? Let's do that. <clears throat> we are... We are in this John chapter 5, Jesus causes, uh, creates chaos with a holiday healing, and the question we're asking is, how do we stop being the obstacle to God moving? Have you ever thought about that? How do we kind of get out of the way? How do we stop being the obstacle to God moving? God wants to move. He's always working, but sometimes maybe I, I'm not seeing him work. I'm not listening. I'm not, I'm not moving towards him. Melissa and I, my wife Melissa, who's down here if you're visiting, we had a tremendous opportunity a couple weeks ago to be in the Trinity University Library established by Queen Elizabeth I in Dublin, Ireland, just a few weeks ago. It's just a surreal library, multiple floors of uh, books, all the big thick ones on the bottom. That's how they organize them. The heavier they are, the lower they are. Doesn't that sound fun? Go find a book. It's big. We're in there, and it's just a surreal moment. No one's talking. Everyone's walking around and looking at some of the uh, busts of great Irish leaders, thinkers, writers, and we're just having an incredible moment. We're like, can we just spend the night here? This is so cool. I'd like to climb upstairs and open some of these books, and we're there, and now it's time to leave, and we head out, and we head down in the bookstore, and I just had this conversation with my wife. I said, Melissa... What were we supposed to do with these audio tours? You know, we'd all bought an audio tour. What were we supposed to do with this? And she goes, ah. And all of a sudden, an alarm sounds. An alarm in the bookstore, an alarm in the library. I'm like, is there a fire or something? No. You're stealing an audio tour module. <laughs> and so I, she's like, Scott, I told you. I pointed to it. It's upstairs. It's right there as you were leaving. Of course, fellas, be with me. She never said that. She just thinks she said that. And so I I have to walk. So everyone looks at me in the bookstore. Not a lot of people, 20 or 30. And then I walk up the stairs back into the library. Not a lot of people there, four or 500. And I'm the guy. (laughs) Not four or 500, about 50. 
and I take that module off and I put it in the library. Here's the deal. I was the problem. <laughs> it was me. It wasn't, it, it was me. So embarrassing and yet so accurately humiliating. How good at you are you at actually catching things, spotting things, uh, following directions? How good are you at catching details? This morning, this is a test. Let's see how you do with this test. Solution. Count how many times the players wearing white pass the ball. The correct answer is 16 passes. Everybody? Yeah? Smart. Did you People spot smart. the gorilla? Miss the gorilla. Seen or heard about a video like this before, about half missed the gorilla. If you knew about the gorilla, you probably saw it. But did you notice the curtain changing color or the player on the black team leaving the game? What? Let's rewind and watch it again. Here comes the gorilla, and there goes a player, and the curtain is changing from red to gold. When you're looking for a gorilla, you often miss other unexpected events. <laughs> and the, the narrative... And the monkey business illusion. And the narrative we're looking at today is all about spotting... God working in your life, when you're looking for a gorilla, and he provides another way, another solution. There's a couple notes in the narrative we're going to look at that I'm going to make as I walk through the scripture, where you're going to learn how to see God moving. Just a couple archaeological, um, historical background notes that I want to prepare you for. Here's the narrative. When I get to the red, if you would join me, it would keep us all awake in case you didn't sleep much last night. Now, there is in Jerusalem, later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now, there is in Jerusalem, near the Sheep Gate, a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here's a little, a little background. This is the Sheep's Gate. It is also called the Lion's Gate because there's two lions actually embedded into the um, the, the, the wall. And poetically, this is the gate Jesus entered. And I say poetically because it's the, the sheep's gate is the gate that a herdsman would take all the sheep that were to be sacrificed under the required Levitical law. And so here Jesus is, who's already been identified as the lamb who would be slain to take away the sins of the world. And he walks through there. How, how poetic. Just on the other side of that gate are the pools of Bethesda. And the pools of Bethesda speak to just the origin of water cleansings, water baptism, all have their origin with the Hebrew nation. And there was a lot of skepticism as to whether or not these pools 
validated or invalidated the New Testament narrative. In other words, can we really trust this narrative given the fact that the author here is describing a pool with five sides to it or five porticos, five porches literally is what it means, just like your backyard porch. Uh, in, it's having five, five different porches. How do you have five different porches for a pool? When they excavated this pool, you can see the rectangular square moving from the middle to the upper right half of your screen, but they counted this center portic- the center divider for the pools as a portico itself. This discovery, this excavation happened in the last century and again validated, like all archaeological excavations, the accuracy, the historical reliability of the New Testament. Jesus has entered the Sheep's Gate and he's right by the pools of Bethesda where our narrative is taken off. Are you with me? Here we go. Here, a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. Been an invalid for 38 years. 38 years. That's almost how long the Jews were in the wilderness. The average lifespan for someone in the first century was a tad over 50. So when he was injured, when he, whether it was an innate birth effect or due to some sort of tragic accident, this fellow had been waiting a long time for the waters to stir by an angel, which according to history, folks would jump in the water and they'd experience healing. No one doubted whether or not this happened, but it was always, the miraculous experience was always open to those who got in first. He had a tough time getting in. So this is what we learned. Start, why don't you read this with me? When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. At once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and he walked. It's interesting. Our heavenly father, the creator, slowly turns water into wine. Jesus does it immediately. Our heavenly father, the creator, slowly multiplies grain through sowing, through harvest. Slowly. Our heavenly father slowly heals our bones when they break and heals our muscles when they're sore. What our heavenly father does slowly, Jesus can do immediately when he chooses to. At once the man is cured. He picked up his mat and he walked. The day on which this took place was a Sabbath. And so the Jewish leaders said to the man who had been healed, it is the Sabbath. The law forbids you to carry your mat. But he replied, the man who made me well said to me, pick up your mat and walk. Now, as you may have heard a couple weeks ago when DJ spoke on the Sabbath, the Pharisaical religious leaders nailed the Sabbath. I mean, they wanted it revered. You don't do anything on the Sabbath. Here's a list of only 39. You don't build, you don't burn, you don't carry, you don't chain stitch, you don't comb. Eh. You don't cook, you don't demolish, you don't die, as in dying, uh, you don't, as in tied, uh, you don't erase, you don't extinguish, you don't finish, you don't grind, you don't harvest, you don't need, you don't not, you don't mark, 
You don't plant, no plowing, no reaping, no selecting, no sowing. Ah, no shaping, no shearing, no sifting, no skinning, no slaughtering, no smoothing, no spinning, no tanning. Are you serious? <laughs> Different kind of tanning. No tearing, no th- believed in the miraculous, but not on the Sabbath. This guy's carrying his mat. He's carrying his mat. These folks were, these Pharisees, out of a heart of devotion and integrity, had become single. You're working on this. They were single issue voters. One issue on this day, you're working on the Sabbath. You should not be. So they asked him, who is this fellow who told you to pick up and walk? The man who was healed had no idea who it was, for Jesus had slipped away into the Because we're not paying attention. Jesus ever slip away in our daily life? Because we're not paying attention. Has he ever slipped away in a service? Because he didn't like what we were doing? Or didn't like what was being said? Does he ever slip away? Because ah, no one's paying attention here. This man was miraculously healed. No one, no one else fell at his feet. No one else said, said oh, son of, son of David, have mercy on me too. Just, just touch me. No one grabbed the hem of his garment. What's happening here? Later, John found him at the temple and said to this, said this to him, see, you are well again. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. Whew, those, are, those catch our attention, don't they? Those words arrest our attention. What is Jesus saying here? Well, first... Jesus is not saying that all sin causes disease and suffering. He couldn't be doing that because the harmony of the New Testament, the harmony of his other teachers, of of his other teachings, do not collectively lead us to that conclusion. Jesus is not teaching that all disease is caused by sin, that cancer is caused by sin directly. If he had, he would have said something very different here. The other question, is Jesus teaching that all disease is completely disassociated from sin? And in my opinion, no. He's not saying that either. What is he saying? One factor in confronting disease and disability is our personal sin. And we know, eventually, we believe this. If you neglect getting enough sleep, eventually it's going to affect your health, right? Right? If, if, if we choose to drink and drive, we are putting our lives and the lives of someone else at stake. So we know there can very much be a connection between our life choices and our physical health. You know, if you eat and drink gluttonously, it will affect your, your blood tests. It will affect your well-being. And so you can conclude, in my opinion, that there is an association between Acts of disobedience, our sin, or our, our acts of disobedience to God, intentional, and our health. There can be a connection. Now, what Jesus, but it's also important to note that not that it is all caused by personal acts of disobedience. Remember the man born blind that the religious leaders brought to Jesus and said, hey, was this man born blind because of his sin or because of his parents' sin? And we know from Ezekiel 18 that sin always falls on the individual. It's not something you get generationally. But Jesus tells him, neither is this man's blindness caused by his sin or his parents' sin, 
This man was born blind for the glory of God, and Jesus returned his sight to him. So you have to be careful about how you attribute suffering and pain. Now, I want to add one more thing to this. See, you are well again. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. What could be worse than 38 years of paralysis, 38 years of being an invalid, and your, you know, modern-day medicine has not stepped in. Your projected longevity isn't like, it, like we Americans, men living in their, their mid to late 70s, women in their early 80s. It was early 50s, typically, although it, some folks would exceed that like Simeon in uh, Luke's gospel. But what is unique here is what, what could be worse than being paralyzed? And I would suggest dying without ever having made Jesus the Lord of your life and not ever having trusted that your admission into heaven is predicated on whether or not you believe that what Jesus did on the cross got everything done for you so you can stand before God someday and not be judged, but be rewarded and be free in heaven someday. That's what could be worse than, than not recovering. So because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath, the Jewish leaders began to persecute him. In his defense, Jesus said to them, my father is always at his work to this very day, and I too am working. For this reason, they tried all the more to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. Question, why master this material today? Here's why. Every single one of us has a situation in our life. As a parent, as a married, as a single, as an employee, as a supervisor, as a business owner, every one of us has a situation that if God doesn't show up, if God doesn't change things, it's going to fall apart. There's a dependency we have on God. And yet, there's also a temptation to just allow our circumstance to define who we are and just stay there right where we are at. So, question today is this. How do we stop being the obstacle to God moving? And I want permission today to argue with you to argue together. I'm going to have the argument in, my, of, in, 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 in and of myself. I'm going to pose three different possibilities of why you're and we are the obstacles to God moving. I'm going to pose three of them. None of these may hit you at all. You're, you might get off scot-free today, but you might find one, you might find two, you might find three that could be a mindset that is an obstacle from all of us or individually hearing from God. So is that, is that okay? It's gonna, the message is going to have a little negativity to it, but we're going to end positive, okay? So most Christians are caught up with a system, with what they believe, not, they're not caught up with the Savior. They're caught up with a system. They're not caught up with the Savior, who is alive and well and here today and wants to have a personal relationship with you whereby he leads you through his spirit, the spirit of Jesus in your life. And one, one of the mindsets, one of the obstacles, is the obstacle that this 38-year-old invalid would have had. And it's this. It's too late. It's too late for me. It's too late for me. It's just too late. When he saw Jesus, when Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he said, do you want to get well? And what did he say? I can't, I can't get any help. I can't get any help. 
He'd been there a long time. The idea is that it's too late for me. Sometimes we let our sickness become our significance. I'm, I'm divorced. I was adopted. I never had a dad. Oh, I got the short end of life. I'm in a blended family. Didn't have traditional family. Didn't have a perfect family. Oh, I didn't get opportunity. There was no, no one paid for my college education. I was on my own. Sometimes we let our sickness become our significance. Jesus is asking the man if he has let his disease, do you want to get up? And I would admit, in, in, our, in, in my mind, in my experience, in my especially probably late teens, 20s, it was easy to have this kind of mindset. It's just not the right time. Or, I'm sorry, it's, it's, it's too late for me. I've missed out on opportunities. I didn't, my, my, my SAT score just wasn't, it was more, uh, I, I just, I didn't get it. How can I move forward? I uh, made some, oh, I, I, made, I made some bad decisions in high school. Uh, how can God ever forgive me for that? Sometimes we can let that kind of stuff define or Daniel Craig, or actresses like Jennifer Lawrence, when they meet someone in real life, real time, that they want to get to know, they struggle to get to know people because the people they're trying to go deeper with in conversation and in life, they always expect Matt and Daniel and Jennifer to behave in real life as their typecast in films. They want them to act like they're somebody else instead of just being themselves. When you allow your pain, or when I allow my pain and my difficulty, I've allowed to define me. I've allowed something to define the character I'll play the rest of my life. If I allow my pain to define, God is asking you, and he's already scripted out a different plan, a new script. But that other thing has defined you. Not only do you have the burden of carrying a negative identity, I'm a broken, diseased victim, but it's hard to be other than what God created you to be. So the key question today is this. What could happen if you believed God could change, could change any circumstance in your life? What would happen if you believed God could change any circumstance in your life? And I think the key here to being ready for this before Jesus slips, it's too late for me. Replace your obstacle. If your obstacle is, it's too late for me, that kind of scripting, that kind of language, replace your obstacle by taking the script Jesus is offering you, a new script. You want a new script? You want a new character? You, you want something fresh? You want something that brings hope? Start thinking like this. You have to change your thinking. You have to have the mind of Christ. He wants to give you a new script. What is the circumstance that you've given up on? I want you to figure out, of these three, which one might be you? It's too late for me. Is that yours? It wasn't for this guy. All right, let's move forward. How would we all do on test number one? It's too late for me. Did that connect? 
Okay, here we go. Number two. Now is not the right time for me. Not the right time. And look what it says. And so the Jewish leaders said to the man who had been healed, it's the Sabbath. The law forbids you to carry your mat. Can you imagine how he felt when they said that? And yet there's a lot of other folks that may have been resonating the same kind of thoughts. It's, it's not the right time. These Pharisees, they embraced the miraculous, but not today. Not today. They were single-issue voters. And the idea here is this. Religious objections are always louder than faith's opportunities. Here's what's kind of missing in the passage. What's kind of missing is that you don't see others jumping out to grab the hem of Jesus' garment or calling out, Son of David, heal me. You don't see this, this, uh, this, this urgency to get to Jesus who might bring healing to your chronic illness what you kind of sense is this culture of people who've lived together. These folks have been camping out at the pool of Bethesda for, in some cases, decades. They know each other. But they don't want to break the system. They don't want to upset the Pharisees. The Pharisees are in control. They're in power. I don't want to get anybody upset, so we're just going to stay down. We're just going to stay quiet. We don't want to mess with anything. What about the other six suffering whom Jesus did not approach? They might say, I'd rather stay sick than offend the Pharisees. Religion can be like that. Do you agree? I'd rather stay sick than offend the religious leaders. Let me tell you, if the Holy Spirit and God's word is leading you, offend me. Because I want to follow him. Okay? You all with me? Okay. There's a cultural feeling going on here saying, my living is lying and begging here. And those are the authorities and I'll offend them. And my third grade teacher told me I was a, or my dad said, or my mom said, or that kid on the playground, he told me I couldn't, or that girlfriend said, or, or I said, boy, you need a new script. So here's, here's the next step question. Are you opening to God answering your prayer in a way you don't expect? He's looking for the waters to move. He's not seeing that somebody else has stepped onto the stage, Jesus. Is there only one way for God to answer your prayer request? Just one. Is it possible that God may have a different means to answer your prayer? And would you be open to it if he did? Are you open to that? I want you to figure out which one of these you are. Which one of these describes you? And let me just pause here and ask, how do you, how do you take a new script? I mean, how do, you, how do you receive a new script from Jesus so that you experience this kind of hope that really changes everything? And I think it has a whole lot to do with your thinking. I think you have to, if you're blessed with a, a, a best friend, a, a, a Christ-following friend, 
If you're blessed with a spouse who loves the Lord or a parent, I think you want to listen when they argue with you about your attitudes. Your attitudes like, uh, this is never going to change. Oh, it's too late for me. Or it's not the right time. I think you got to listen to them when they say, hey, let's stop that thinking. That's, you're letting that thinking define you for the rest of your life. Let's stop that. Stop it. Anybody ever see that Bob Newhart video? It's a classic. I'm afraid of being buried alive in the box. Newhart says, stop thinking like that. Stop it. It was a five-minute greatest counseling session I've ever seen. You've got you to change the thinking of Scripture, get into your head. And I realize for some of you, opening the Bible sounds like one of those big books at Trinity University, not interested at all. Here's, here's what I've been doing. I've been finding so much joy out of it. During my workouts, I play the Scriptures on a version app. And I just get to hear the Bible. It's just so refreshing. Or we challenge adventurers, give Jesus the first, first 15 minutes of your day. Start your coffee, get your espresso going, sit down, and just put on some good, and then Christian music, some Jesus culture, some Lincoln Brewster, and then take a few minutes and just give him thanks. Just thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And then the last five minutes, open up the Gospel of John with us this summer. The challenge is to read the Gospel of John. How many of you have been reading it this summer so far? Look around. Awesome. Awesome. So keep that up. Are you open to God answering your prayer in a way you don't expect? Number three is this. Jesus doesn't work for me. So he doesn't work. Faith in Jesus, and some of you might be hung up on that and saying, what do you mean Jesus? Isn't this about God? Who is Jesus? He is, he's God. That's the purpose of, of the gospel of John, to show us he is fully God. But you might say, Jesus doesn't work for me. You might even be really honest and say, there are some areas in my life I'm not willing to follow Jesus. Mm-mm, I don't trust him. Yeah, I won't do that. He's been very clear. I'm not ready for that. Okay? You might also say, Jesus doesn't work for me. And this is kind of something, to be honest with you, I've fallen into. Not lately, just this morning. Sometimes, sometimes I get the idea that I'm in it all by myself. And I'm like, are you helping me? Are, do you ever, anybody have that like, am I the only one working around here? Anybody have that? Cool, thank you, brother. Really, one. <laughs> thank you. Uh, am I the only one working around here? It's, Ricardo, it's easy to have that, isn't it? And what does Jesus say? In his defense, Jesus said to them, my father is always at work to this very day, and I too am working. He's always working. The problem is not God working, but our watching. The problem is not God working, but our watching. The key question is this, where is God working? And it's important to note, Jesus slipped away. It's evasive sometimes. You don't even know what's going on. You got to hear about it. Someone's got to tell you. I got to tell you, I'm excited about God working in our high school and middle school ministry. Check out what several of you provided. Some of you exorbitantly made it possible for our students to go to the best camp in California. Here it is. This is up in the Tuolumne area, Yosemite area. Grace, Atwada. God 
looks at you, he doesn't see your striving, he doesn't weigh you on a scale compared to how much better you are than somebody else, or how many times you go to church, or how many Bible verses you've memorized. When God looks at me, he doesn't see my sin or my brokenness. When he looks at me, he sees the righteousness of Christ. Rylan. for adult sponsors next summer. Didn't that look fun? Food's great. All right, and our middle school. You learn to dance at camp. It's awesome. That's what I'm talking about. Isn't that awesome? Our young people got to go have a great time. And let me tell you something that makes me so proud. No student who wanted to go was unable to for a lack of funds. Adventurers made it possible. If you wanted to go, we were going to make it possible for you to go. My understanding is one of our families, I don't know who it is, cut a check for 530, whatever they needed. We want everyone to have this kind of opportunity. And uh, Adults, if you're interested, next summer, I know Zach would love to have you. God is moving. God is, maybe God's moving here. One area he's moving in, I believe right now, is our young adult ministry. This has been a needed, needed ministry for us, and it's growing. We have a group of young 20-somethings that are gathering weekly on Tuesday nights. I encourage you, if you're interested, late, late teens, Check this group out. Very, very exciting. God's going to continue to work in our compassion ministry. We're almost done with our first tiny house in the back, if you haven't seen it, where a homeless person is no longer going to be homeless. God is working. That's big, big, big for us. God's working in our children's ministry. Lots of small group leaders. Upcoming Joshua Festival. If you haven't checked it out, great chance for a good family getaway and connection. And tonight, our uh, students and our children are all having a promotion Sunday here. Lots of food, lots of high-carb opportunities. I encourage you to come tonight. So the question, kind of a final thought is this, can Jesus really transform me? I mean, I'm talking about giving you the kind of peace and joy and courage that you were born for. Can he really do it? Well, I'll tell you, he can't if Jesus was just the carpenter's son. Mm-mm. But if he truly was God, he can bring life to your soul and heart. He can inspire you and make you feel so so good. That is where we're at. And here's how we end. Place your obstacle by taking the script Jesus is offering you. He's offering you a new script, a new way to think. And you accept that script by letting God's word be a part of your life. And I know, I know our pace is fast, but do this. Replace your social media time with, some, with the God's word. 
Replace some of your, your video games with God's word. Replace your Netflix binging with God's word. It's okay. You'll survive. Get it in there. And it will help. It'll rescript your head. And if you, if you have a friend whom you trust, let them poke you when you're, when you're reading the other script. Hey, I was born to lie here the rest of my life. I'm not moving. Because imagine the courage it took him to get up. 38 years, I'm getting up. Hey, guys, I know we've been here at this KOA campground for 38. I'm going to leave. <laughs> he probably didn't turn his back. But that can be difficult. But you make the decision to leave. All right, how'd you do on the test? How'd you do? How many would just be honest and say, sometimes your language is, uh, it's too late for me. Too late. Too late. Okay. Maybe we should, I got a couple. How many of you would say, okay, uh, it's, it's not the right time. It's Sabbath. It's not the right time for me. I got to wait. I got to wait. How many of you would say, sometimes I don't feel like Jesus works for me. Be honest. Okay. Ricardo. How many of you would say, you know what? I need to really let him give me a new script. I need to change my thinking. I need a new script. Okay. Well, before we transition, I want to pray and, uh, and lead you through this. Heavenly Father, first we admit, for some of us, we'd say, uh, as far as how are, why are we the obstacle for you moving? Some of us would say today, it's too late for us. Raise your hand if that's you with every eye closed. It's too late for me. Father, I pray that you will encourage every person here right now that's saying it's too late for me. How many of you would say it's not the right time for me? I got to wait a whole long more. He couldn't do something right now. Anybody? Does that resonate with anybody? Okay. Father, I pray you would encourage these adventurers that today is the day for a new script. And how many of you would just be honest, confidentially, and say, sometimes I feel like Jesus doesn't work for me. It's not connecting. And if that's you, I just want to ask you right from where you're seated to say, Jesus, I want to get well. I want to get well. Fill me with your spirit. Fill me with your spirit. In your life, it's the most important for the very first time to ask Jesus to come into your life. It's the most important decision you'll ever make. If that's you, would you just raise your hand? I want to celebrate your decision. Anyone say yes to Christ for, the, for your uh, generosity? Help us our wounds. Help us not be with your script. Help us not be defined by our wounds. Help us not be defined by the script life's given us. Instead, help us take your script and enjoy picking up our mat and walking. In Jesus' name, amen.